What can we learn from negative examples about how to handle our anger? That's what we're going to be talking about on today's episode of Heart in a Drawer, the podcast for adult children of divorce. Welcome back to Heart in a Drawer, the podcast for adult children of divorce. It's been a long time since I did both the video and audio version of this podcast, so very glad to bring the video back this week. Last week we talked about, do you need an anger card? So I told you we would have a two-part series on anger. And I hope you'll go back and listen to that episode for context. It is audio only, but I will leave it in the show notes on YouTube. So today we're also looking at another aspect of handling anger. Today we're looking at a negative example. I have found from my own experience being a child of divorce, you can learn so much from the negative examples of people in your life, maybe even more than you can learn from the positive examples. And I wanna introduce you to one one of the most intriguing people in the Bible, someone whom we can learn a lot from, and this is Absalom. Absalom was one of King David's sons, and we start learning about him in 2 Samuel 13. So after David had uh, had an affair with Bathsheba, and then he killed Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, took him or took her into his household as his wife, one of his wives. This situation occurred. So he had many children. Absalom was one of the oldest ones. Uh, So Absalom had a sister named Tamar. I have said that she is one of the people I most want to meet in heaven someday. You can read my blog post about her. It's called How to Deal with a Living Death. I will link that in the show notes as well. And so what happened, to speed this story up, a half-brother of Absalom and Tamar was named Amnon. He had a full-blown obsession over Tamar. So he thought that she was very beautiful and lusted after her. And his lust got out of control. He raped Tamar. And Tamar was cast away in that day and time. That's what they did with these poor women. So I'm picking back up in 2 Samuel 13, verse 19, and I'm going to be reading from the NIV today. Tamar put ashes on her head and tore the ornamented robe she was wearing. She put her hand on her head and went away weeping aloud as she went. Her brother Absalom said to her, Has that Amnon your brother been with you? Be quiet now, my sister. 
He is your brother. Don't take this thing to heart. And Tamar lived in her brother Absalom's house, a desolate woman. When King David heard all this, he was furious. Absalom never said a word to Amnon, either good or bad. He hated Amnon because he had disgraced his sister Tamar. Okay, so we can look at this, and of course, Absalom is not a child of divorce, but he is a very troubled individual. The Bible tells us that uh, Absalom was very physically attractive, and he had a lot of charisma. He had leadership qualities, and so all these good things were in his favor, but his anger was what took him down and eventually destroyed his life. So what happened after this, I'm picking back up, and let's see. He invites all of his brothers and sisters over for a dinner a couple years later. And what he did is he had Amnon killed at this party. And after that happened, picking up verse 37 of 2 Samuel 13, it says, Absalom fled and went to Talmai, son of Amahud, the king of Geshur. But King David mourned for his son every day. And it says, after Absalom fled and went to Geshur, he stayed there three years. And the spirit of the king longed to go to Absalom, for he was consoled concerning Abnon's death. So there's this huge rift in David's family. And when I think about Absalom from the perspective of an adult child of divorce, I think about him taking vengeance into his own hands. And maybe maybe there have been situations where you have done this or been tempted to do it. Um, I remember watching a documentary about Garth Brooks. And when he divorced his wife, he had three daughters. And then Trisha Yearwood came into his life. And um, it was so painful watching this interview. Uh, The daughters are all grown up now. And uh, they interviewed the daughters and Trisha about this. And I remember that one of the daughters admitted they live in Oklahoma, where there's these huge spiders, apparently tarantula sized. And one of the daughters admitted that she would go catch these spiders and put them in the freezer so that when Trisha would come and get something out of the freezer, she'd see this horrific looking spider. And you could just see the pain, the pain in Trisha's face. She was trying to uh, practice self-control. I could see her struggling and I think she wanted to be a good stepmom. That's that's what I inferred from this. But they were making it so hard for her. At least that one, at least that one daughter. And I, I have to admit to you, I felt tempted to be nasty like that myself. Um, I can't recall a specific incident, but it just causes heartache in families, and um, it's just not worth it, quite honestly, because. We got to be the ones who take the high road to introduce healing into these broken family relationships. And obviously, 
Absalom got that wrong. But we're going to learn even more from him because he was hurting. You know, there's different kinds of anger. I talk about this in my book, Transforming Your Thought Life, when I talk about the angry thoughts chapter. I learned this from one of June Hunt's teachings that um, anger is based on hurt, fear, frustration, or injustice. Those are the things underneath our anger. And when I think about Absalom, how this started out, right, it was injustice that he was angry about. It was not right what Amnon did. It wasn't right that King David didn't step in and do something. And he was righteously frustrated. But what happened is he let his anger turn into bitterness and hatred. And then it led to murder. And while we might not actually take someone's life into our own hands, we might harbor hatred in our hearts toward someone in our family who has hurt us. And that's a form of breaking one of the commandments, which is you shall not murder. And uh, there's all kinds of shades of what that means. But hatred is one of the shades of um, murder in God's eyes. And that's what matters. That's what we have to be careful to avoid. I've struggled with this myself. And it's just very difficult to, difficult to overcome that. And I know that it can be a real challenge. So what do we do in those situations? Rather than uh, judging Absalom for what he did, let's look further into his story to learn some more and then make some, make some changes uh, based on what we learn. So after three years, um, Absalom uh, returned to Jerusalem because his father David called for him. Chapter 14, verse 23. Then Joab went to Geshur and brought Absalom back to Jerusalem. But the king said, he must go to his own house. He must not see my face. So Absalom went to his own house and did not see the face of the king. And here we get to the description of Absalom. In all Israel, there was not a man so highly praised for his handsome appearance as Absalom. From the top of his head to the sole of his feet, there was no blemish in him. Whenever he cut the hair of his head, he, he used to cut his hair from time to time when it became too heavy for him. He would weigh it, and its weight was 200 shekels by the royal standards. Very thick and beautiful hair. And then it says, Three sons and a daughter were born to Absalom. The daughter's name was Tamar, and she became a beautiful woman after his sister. So then, here we pick the story back up. Absalom lived two years in Jerusalem without seeing the king's face. So... We put the math together. It had been seven years since the rape had occurred. It says, then Absalom sent for Joab. That was uh, David's right-hand man. In order to send him to the king, but Joab refused to come to him. So he sent a second time, but he refused to come. Then he said to his servants, 
Look, Joab's field is next to mine and he has barley there. Go and set it on fire. So Absalom's servants set the field on fire. Then Joab did go to Absalom's house and he said to him, Why have your servants set my field on fire? Absalom said to Joab, Look, I sent word to you and said, Come here so I can send you to the king to ask, Why have I come from Geshur? It would be better for me if I were still there. Now then, I want to see the king's face, and if I'm guilty of anything, let him put me to death. Hear his temper in that? So Joab went to the king and told him this. Then the king summoned Absalom, and he came in and bowed down with his face to the ground before the king. And the king kissed Absalom. There's an important point that I want to pull out of this part of the story. I can see Absalom's little boy heart in this story. He's saying with this fire that he said, Don't I matter to you? Don't you see me? Don't you care? Don't you even know that I'm here? That I have feelings? That I have opinions? That I have thoughts that matter? Why do you bother with me unless you're going to pay attention to me? And I'm going to make you pay attention to me by throwing a fit. And that's exactly what he did. Absalom's anger was still building. His anger was still manifesting. I really wish that when David summoned Absalom and met with him, that they would have had this heart-to-heart and that David would have said, you know, what I did was wrong. In fact, what I didn't do was wrong. And I know that you lost respect for me when you saw me cheat with another man's wife. That's where it started, probably. And then when I did nothing, I I didn't intervene the way I should have in what happened to Tamar. I can understand your frustration. I can understand the way that you're disappointed with me. I can understand if you have a love-hate relationship with me. But the Bible doesn't tell us that David did anything like that. And if you go back into David's story, I've talked about this other book before, I Am David. Um, it's a great book uh, with insight into David's life. David had a mother and father wound, just like Absalom had a father wound. And he wasn't capable of really being the kind of father that his children needed because that was never modeled for him. I wish that David could have had that conversation with Absalom too, because it's only gonna get worse from here. So let's keep going. Absalom made a conspiracy against the king. He wanted to overthrow the throne. So he took four years to kind of woo the Israelite people to his side. And um, at the end of four years, it says in 2 Samuel 15, verse 7, Absalom said to the king, Let me go to Hebron and fulfill a vow I made to the Lord. While your servant was living at Geshur and Aram, 
I made this vow. If the Lord takes me back to Jerusalem, I will worship the Lord in Hebron. The king said to him, go in peace. So he went to Hebron. Well, but what Absalom did then, he sent secret messengers throughout the tribes of Israel to say that Absalom is king in Hebron. So this just starts spinning out of control and uh, it turns into a coup. And eventually, um, <laughs> what happened is Absalom um, shamed his, his father by sleeping with his concubines on the roof where everyone can see it. I mean, his rage was out of control. His desire for revenge was out of control. His desire for power over a situation where he originally felt powerless was completely out of control. And so David's men had to hunt him down and kill him because he was threatening the king's life. And after that, though, um, Absalom was buried um, and and uh, it goes I'm, I'm looking for this Second uh, Samuel 18 verse 33 when David fa finds out about Absalom's death and burial he says it says the king was shaken he went up to the room over the gateway and wept as he went he said Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I had died instead of you. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. It just... It makes me a little emotional because there's just so much brokenness in my own family still. And... Just the ending hasn't turned out the way I wanted it. And even though part of this was David's fault, I mean, really it was, it just spun so far out of control and became a national embarrassment. But when I hear David mourning, That's just the heart of his, of a father for his son. That's not a king talking about someone trying to overthrow him. That's, that's the broken heart of a father. And we don't know, um, we don't know if Absalom went to heaven or not, but I hope that if he did, um, that he and David had a beautiful reunion there where everything was set right. And that makes me think about our own relationships. I've told you in some of these episodes this year that I've had to set no contact boundaries and it's been so, so, so hard. Um, but I know that God can set things right in his own time and 
It might not be on this earth. But what I need to take from these examples, myself, as a parent of three children of divorce now, is to validate their anger, validate their pain. Let them cry, let them weep. Don't let them bottle their emotions in because look what it can do. It can, it can destroy them. I don't want that for my children. I don't want that for myself. They need to be able to process their grief. Absalom had no, no way to process his grief after his sister was raped. The lesson about grief that we can learn from Absalom is that grief is absolutely necessary for us as we're recovering from divorce. It's, it's like if you had cancer and you refused treatment, but you're a young person and you're full of life and there's all this potential ahead of you, why would you refuse that? Absalom reminds me of Cain, and that's way back, the beginning of the Bible, and God says, let me, let me um, turn to this. It says, um, this is uh, Genesis 4, verse 3. Um, God did not look on Cain's offering with favor, so Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. And then verse 6, it says, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Absalom failed in that example. And God is saying, we have the power to master it when we invite him into our situations. Sin does not have to develop into murder, which is what happened in Cain's situation, too. Sin does not have to develop into uh, violent or um, malicious acts against other people. And it says it desires to have you. Sin desires to have you. It wants to control us. It wants to dominate us. But we have to learn to master it so we are in control of it, not it of us. And the key to mastering sin in our response to anger is to take it to God as fast as we can and say, God, I'm angry right now. I'm angry, but I want to handle it in a way that's pleasing to you. We talked about that last time. We're talking about it today. And I think being honest and upfront with God first about our feelings is important. Then getting professional help. Um, I leave the link in all the show notes. Getting professional help, talking to a counselor. A counselor can help you lay out all the pieces and then pick up the ones that you want to put back into your life because they're good. 
and then get rid of the ones that aren't helpful. That's what my counselor has done for me. That's processing our anger in a positive way, um, in a healthy way, rather than letting it ferment and become bitter and destructive inside. And so Absalom's story makes me so sad because he had so much potential. He had so much going for him, but he let his anger destroy him. So let his negative example be a warning to you. Don't let your anger fester that way. Don't let yourself uh, let your emotions get so out of control that you can't handle them anymore, that they just overtake you and you make foolish and wicked decisions because of them. So I would like to end with a prayer uh, based on what we've learned from Absalom today. Let's pray. Father God, I praise you for the negative examples that you give us in the Bible. I just praise you that you recorded these stories as they happened. You didn't sugarcoat them because you want us to learn from the hard things in these stories. And I pray for the ones who are listening and watching today that they would learn from Absalom's example. They would learn that they need to voice their feelings and not bottle them in, to process their grief and not let it fester, to release their anger in healthy ways rather than letting it turn into murderous intent to destroy other people and themselves, Lord. We have so much to learn from this story. I pray, Lord, for the ones who are struggling with anger as they uh, process this episode, Lord. May they turn back to your word, and may you send your Holy Spirit to speak one-on-one to them into their situations to help them get through this difficult, difficult time that they're facing and come out on the other side with greater hope and the peace that you promise, the shalom that is so different from what the world offers us. Shalom is setting everything right in its place. That's what we want for our lives, Lord. And we ask for that in Jesus' name, amen. I'm so glad that you joined me today. I have several more episodes lined up for you. Make sure that you're going to join me next time. 